Coming up this week, off screen. Tom Hanks heats things up in Inferno. We get paid a visit by the Storks. Kate plays Christine in Kate plays Christine. And Shia LaBeouf can't resist some American honey. All those to come and more, off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. I am Case Allen. And before we get to the films, the box office top ten, the news, the reviews, should we start by talking about Wonder Woman? Because she's having Wonder an interesting Woman. time. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, she's everywhere at the minute. I mean, in, in the space, of, yeah, in space yeah. of two years, she's going to be in three films. Yeah. We had an animated movie, Prolific. what, about five years ago? Something like that, we had an animated movie. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got, uh, we've had, we've not had a Wonder Woman on TV. Oh, we did. We had the, the David E. Kelly pilot a few years ago as well, with which yeah. was awful. Just uh, awful. Linda Carter was showing up in Supergirl. Linda Carter cool. showing Supergirl as, yeah. as the president. Which is amazing. Because it's, it's yeah. 2016. Yes, because it's 2016. We all know she should be a woman president. Yeah. Female superheroes can be presidents now. So how would you feel about a Wonder Woman biopic? I feel good. You I feel, feel good. good, considering that uh, the cast is good. A very good yeah. cast as well. So this is this is going to be called uh, Professor Professor Moulton, I think his name is, Molden and, and the Women, and the Wonder Women. Professor Molden um, and the Wonder Women. That's a good title. It's a good title. Yeah. And it's going to star Luke Evans. It's going to star Rebecca Hall. It's going to star Ooh. Bella Heathcote. Ooh. And this is this is an interesting cast. Yeah. So the way this works is, do you know the actual story behind how Wonder Woman got created? I don't. I guess I just sort of naively thought it was uh, just another DC thing. And, yeah, no, Wonder Woman. It. Sorry, it's Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. That was that was titled. Sorry, right. Professor Marston, who's going to be played in, in this incarnation by Luke, Luke Evans, is the inventor of the lie detector. He's the inventor of the polygraph. Ah. Right. The way this works is he was a uh, psychology uh, lecturer in residence. Yeah. And uh, his wife was uh, also a, a psychology uh, pioneer. And uh, they shared a lover. They had uh, a lover who was going to be played by Bella Heathcote in this version, who was also a psychology pioneer. And the idea is that he based Wonder Woman on both of these uh, aspects of both of these two women. Huh. So they t- collectively form, form Wonder Woman. They form Wonder Woman yeah. for him. Yes. It's also about how he had to basically be very protective of the character and how he had to protect her from outside influences. Although, to be honest, if you knew the early publication history of Wonder Woman, he didn't do a very good job protecting her because yeah. there's a it's a very big bondage thing in those comics. She, well, she gets I don't really tied know up that much about well, yeah, of course. I don't really know that much about how it came from that gentleman to then going to DC. So, yeah, that should be pretty interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. Good. we've got that to come. So, Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Yeah. So, look forward to that. Luke one. Evans is getting around recently. He's got a lot of jobs. I'm a fan of Luke Evans, though. I like him. I like him. I just never thought that he would. Yeah, be as in demand as he currently is. He's not bad in Girl on the Train. Got to give him that. He's pretty decent. He's one of the few train. things that's okay in it. He's one of the few things that's okay yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, Lord knows it ain't it ain't the script, but uh, or, or that very phoned in direction. But uh, should we start then this week? Let's have a look at Storks, which is that's pretty yeah. widely advertised. Yeah, it it's uh, it's on like every single bus and tram I've seen for the last week. Have you? Because yeah. uh, it's a very American thing, the the, the Stork tale, isn't it? It's, it's something that American parents sort would of would say. About. Yeah, the the, the baby is delivered by the stork. Yeah, right. So just what, just to get around the horrible. Yeah, yeah. So what you've got here then, the is they've taken that to a logical new extreme. 
So the idea now is babies are actually produced by machines in a factory on Stork Mountain. Yeah. And Stork, the entire Stork race exists solely to courier human babies. This is is it. But as we're shown in the intro to the movie, they've been doing this since the dawn of time. We're shown them doing it in ancient Egypt and, and throughout history. And it's led to problems along the way. It's become quite hazardous. Babies tend to be, for instance, quite disruptive to to flight. And then, you know, the introduction of human aircraft, for instance, things like that, makes it quite a deadly profession, particularly if you're being distracted by a newborn infant. So the Storks, 18 years before the movie begins, decide to do away with the idea of delivering babies. And they form... Instead, a new business called Cornerstore.com that basically becomes Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. So what you've got is sort of a parody of Amazon drones. Drones, yeah. But the Storks. Storks are now delivering Amazon packages. You have also got the last human baby who is also a resident of Stork Mountain because they lost her delivery note and her name is Tulip. What basically happens then is a young human boy, he's like an eight or nine year old human boy, how he's been born is never revealed. Uh, an eight, eight or nine-year-old human boy decides he wants a younger brother, sends a letter to Stork Mountain. The last remaining human, Tulip, accidentally puts it in the wrong pile, and a human being is accidentally born for the first time in 18 years on Stork Mountain. Enter a young corporate hotshot named Junior, who's given the voice of Andy Samberg, who is on the cusp of a big promotion and is going to run Cornerstore.com. He, he basically has to team up with Tulip, who's uh, regarded as something of a galactic screw-up, and they have to secretly deliver this baby before it disrupts the status quo and anyone discovers quite what the hell is going on. It's a very, very confusing convoluted plot. I apologise. Tell you what, here's a clip. What up? Hey, Pigeon Tony. Hey there. Hey, cool metal thing, bro. New kind of package. What's that at? Candy cane? Some gas. Cool, bro. You catch the game last night. Oh, yeah. Real great game. (laughs) Yeah, too bad about the last quarter. (laughs) Yeah, that was too bad. Real bummer. (laughs) And yet then with a little time left, we pulled it out. Totally. Yeah. Only losing again in the last second. Such a disappointment. It was a come down. Only to get it back. Best day of my life. Only to lose it. Worst day of my life. Only to get it back. The roller coaster of a game. Only to lose it again. What a game. Here we go. See you later. Cool. No big deal. Wait, wait a second. There was no game last night. What the? You see the kind of comedic level that you're on. It's it's trying for the Brooklyn Nine Nine kind of a comedy, which I know you and I are it's, quite fans yeah, of. And it's got Andy Samberg. So. And Andy Samberg, who yeah. is basically doing the Brooklyn Nine Nine performance. Yeah, he's like, been he's been Jake. Yeah, he's being he's being uh, Jake Peralta, and and that's the thing, and and it works. But the problem is, you've got a cast as good as this has, which is you know Andy Samberg, Kelsey Grammer, uh, Key and Peele, really. Mm, yeah, as the wolves. As the wolves. wolves yeah. And you've got a cast that good. You've got uh, uh, Nick Stoller directing. You no, know, Nick forgetting Sarah Marshall Stoller directing this, and yet it all comes out feeling really unremarkable. It's one of those animated films that plods along for an hour and a half and wears you down more than it does entertain you. Mm. I mean, and you can't fault the cast. The vocal performances are all great. Kelsey Grammer's never going to be bad in animated form, is he? I mean... He's not going to be bad voicing something. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, Sideshow Bob. Yeah, he's Sideshow it. Bob. He's, uh, what do you call him uh, in Toy Story 2? Oh, Stinky Pete. Uh, Stinky Pete. Stinky Prospector. Pete. Yeah. yeah, Prospector, Stinky Pete. And, yeah, all the ingredients are there. They just don't add up to a, a particularly enticing dish. 
it doesn't quite work. It never takes off. It mm. doesn't ever soar. It never the delivery never makes it. Yeah, it's, it's I think I it, I do like the idea of it. I'm surprised it's not been done sooner. To be honest, it's a surprisingly yeah. basic concept. So it's an incredibly convoluted plot. I mean, you heard the trouble I had. It's incredibly convoluted, mm. and and all that is just set up for what is basically an odd couple road movie. Because you know that's the bread and butter of these animated. Films yeah. is to basically get to that Monsters Inc. stage of oh the two. Well, it's funny you should mention that because I think somewhere within this kind of concept, there is a much simpler, more streamlined way to do things. And there's a Pixar short called Partly Cloudy. Yeah, you look at something like that, and you yeah. and, and you look at that it's about and look at how Monsters kids Inc. are made and stuff. And it's, it's Partly Cloudy yeah. was the Storks, wasn't it? Essentially, but yeah. it's it's about the clouds who produce the kids and stuff. And that was the one. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 then the, the and then and then the Storks pick yeah. them up. Yeah. Well, that, actually, I did remember that, and I couldn't place it. Thank yeah, you for that. It's That's great. Yeah, it's a really good one. But that is infinitely more entertaining than this. The problem is, it's not a bad film, but it's it's certainly not good. It's one of those films that's so trying in terms of getting... There are some chuckles, I, I can't deny that, and Key and Peele steal the whole show yeah. as basically well, bickering wolves. They're just bickering wolves, yeah. and they are fantastic, as Key and Peele you know, always want to be. Um but the problem is, I think even young children are going to find this quite trying. And for an animated film called Storks, that's really strange. But you look at, you know, animation in the last couple of years, when we've had Inside Out, we had Kubo and the Two Strings, you know, and even Sausage Party. You said the these are films that take a very specific, very original concept and develop it properly. This is a film that has a very basic concept and then develops it in a very overcomplicated way. For a film that really doesn't benefit from it at all and simply gets lost in the shuffle. But, uh, yeah, I was I was let down by it. It's one of the better films this week, I've got to leave it there. It's a pretty lazy week, to be honest, for films. <laughs> so stick around. So stick around. So we haven't really got many uh, films to review in the podcast extras this week, but we've still got podcast extras, darn it. Yeah, we've got loads of news to talk about. There's loads of film news. Yeah, we've got to run. We're going to run like we've never ranted before. Exactly. And if we didn't do the podcast extras... Who will? We, we, well, we wouldn't get to the moment of Cage. Yeah, that's yeah. worth that's worth uh, turning up. In fact, reason. I propose something to you live on air, my friend. Go on. Prior to Moment of Cage, Go on. let's talk about the trailer for the new Nick Cage, Nick Cage film, film Army of One. So we'll do that. We'll have a brief recap, a trailer review, if you will. So in the meanwhile, you can pop onto Acast, Deezer, iTunes, tune in, any podcast app you like, type in off screen. We're on there. It's an extended version. After the end credits, you get a whole extra section of the show you wouldn't otherwise. And it's it's the after dark section, so we tend to remove so clothes. It gets, we, gets a little bit blue. It gets a little bit blue. You know, we yeah, we, you know, we relax. We change into something more comfortable. We we have a cocktail. I, I put on or two. my slippers, smoking jacket. It's a good time. I've got a cigar. It's it's a good time for the whole family. But uh, <laughs> make sure the kids are in bed. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The on screen radio show. And we're back. So, where to now, Mr. Al? Should we, uh, should we take on uh, the box office top ten for the week? That's something we've got to do, and let's do it right now. Number ten. Don't breathe. Don't you dare breathe. I won't breathe, but I'll see the film again, definitely. I want to see it, just period. It's a I great, it, it is, it is a great. Yeah, I want to see it, but I think right now I'm just going to wait for it to come out. I want to wait for it to come out on DVD or Blu-ray. I'll, I'll wait till it's like... Like pitch black, I'll watch it at home. <laughs> well, it's, it's at number 10, so I think it's going to be out of the top 10 next week, okay. for sure. I watched a film uh, called Hush the other day, which is about a deaf lady whose home gets invaded. It's on Netflix. Uh, it is on Netflix. Yeah, yeah so I think I'm going to wait. I'll watch uh, Angry Blind Guy and um, Angry, um, angry Deaf Lady yeah. defend their homes. So I'm going to watch it out of a double bill. I can I can meet you in the middle with the Angry Agoraphobic as well, if you want to watch Ooh, I like Intruders. That, yeah. Oh um, yes, and yeah. you can you can have the full you can have the full run, but yeah. uh, don't breathe will be the highlight of 
of the uh, of the section though I because it is so good. Fede Alvarez really really brings mm. it with this claustrophobic Hitchcockian horror for the torture porn sort of era, and it does work. It is brilliant. It is effective. Number nine. Kubo and the two strings, which is on the way out as well, which is a shame because it it's is. Very but you know good. what? It's lasted longer than I thought it would. It has. It yeah. has really. It's stuck around longer than you thought it might. I think it's great. I think it's a really yeah, solid. Yeah, I, I think it's one of Lyca's best, yeah. and they've never really dipped in quality. It's just progressively got better. For That's me. it. They've gone. They've gone upwards. They've yeah. never dipped. They have soared. However, that that roller coaster has has just climbed and climbed. Let's yeah. hope it never drops off. Number eight. Tristan and Isolde. It's a Met Opera 2006 production. Um, I doubt, I doubt you've you. seen it, Number to eight. be honest. I've not seen this one. I've seen one opera in my life. Um, I'm, I'm all right. What opera was it? You told me this before. It was uh, Madame Butterfly. That was it. Yeah. Number seven. War on Everyone. This has done pretty well. It has. It's yeah. not done bad, has it? This big Shane Black homage. This nasty, grimy, black-hearted... But you know what? If you can get into that sense of humour... You'll love it. The problem is, it seems like a lot of people aren't getting into that sense of humour, which is a shame because it's it's half decent. It's better. Than, I liked it more than I like the nice guys. Number six, Finding Dory, which is hanging in there. How many weeks is that now? Uh, number eleven. That's eleven. So yeah. it's it's at Jungle Book level now. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's going to surpass Jungle Book, I think. I think it will, given given how high it is in the charts, and and yeah, I think it's going to top Jungle Book out. Uh, I really liked it. I know you did as well. And I really uh, did. Yeah. yeah, because it is not as good as Finding Nemo, but it's almost, and it has some great new characters. It has some great thrilling sequences. It has, you know, it, that's the thing. It's got Idris Elba as a sea lion. Sea lion. Sea otter? Yeah, and it's got uh, Dominic West's uh, sea lion friend. Yeah. Which is great. Once you've got those two things, if they're your comedic, your comic relief, I think you're in safe hands. Yeah. I, w- but, I would watch uh, a short just about those two. Maybe I, think, not a full I hope feature. we get one. I do I'm hope just, we get one. That'd be ace, just, just shouting at different types of sea creatures to well, get a fair we, rock. That's it. Haven't we got Toy great. Story tunes, which are the, the sort of Toy yes, Story short? Yeah. I think and also uh, Remy from Ratatouille, yeah. there's some shorts with his brother where it's just like. It's just like instructing people about stuff. It's uh, I've not I've it's, not seen, it's like rats doing like a PSA. I've not seen rats too since it came out. Is the brother Patton Oswalt? No, Patton Oswalt. Um, Patton Oswalt is is the lead rat. Is Remy. oh oh he's Remy. Sorry, yeah. I'm not sure who the brother is. Oh, I'm not. Either. It's not Brad Garrett, is it? Because he's always the dunderheaded brother. In no, but Brad Garrett is the chef who inspires Remy to cook. <laughs> of course, so of course, is. Brad Garrett's. <laughs> And remind me, where does uh, Ratzenberger turn up? Where does he turn up in that one? Because I have no that idea. That's a good question. Where's, where's he turn Because he's in every he's, Pixar He's in all one. of them. He's in all of them. Yeah. I'm going to have to rewatch that. There you go. That's your challenge for next week, in case. Yeah. So uh, so we were talking about Fede Alvarez, and we were talking about uh, uh, Don't Breathe. Yeah. He's got an interesting new project coming up, but he... Yeah, he's really adapting does, a comic yeah. book hmm. for Sony. It's a like a six issue series called Incognito. Now I've not read this. I'm kind of I'm a couple of years behind on my comics, but uh, Incognito is an Ed Brubaker comic series, and he I know him Ed Brubaker through Captain America because he did a really good run. He's basically the guy that created the modern version of the Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, he's basically the guy that brought Bucky back as the Winter Soldier. Um, Incognito is the story of a supervillain who turns state's evidence on his boss, is put into the witness protection program, and administered drugs to sedate his superpowers, cool. and given like a low-level office job like Mr. Incredible in, in Incredibles, <laughs> and then finds a way to get his powers back and has to decide what kind of man he wants to be. That's a cool story. I like that. Yeah, yeah. and from the director of Evil Dead and Don't Breathe, yeah. that's going to be And great. from uh, the superhero studio that brought us uh, the Amazing Spider-Man films. Yay. Oh, well, you had to 
go and ruin it, guys. <laughs> no, Van. They had to go. <laughs> they had to go and ruin it. We've all seen the emails. They ruined it. Let's move on. Let's stop bashing Sony because sometimes they can do okay. They can, but yeah. the same can't be said this week, unfortunately, for uh, another studio. I won't name them, but they've released American Honey. Mm. And uh, this is uh, the latest from Andrea Arnold. Who I've never really gotten on board with. Same here. Yeah, the last film of hers I saw was uh, the adaptation of uh, Wuthering Heights. Oh, was that, well, yeah, it was that one, wasn't it? Yeah. Was that the... No, that wasn't... I'm just saying, that wasn't the Fastbender one, that was Jane Eyre. That was Wuthering Jane Heights Eyre, yeah. was Kay Mulligan? Is that Carrie Mulligan? Uh, no, it was. I've forgotten her name. It's um, she. She Mia was actress in no it, actress from Skins, Dark Hair. She also in the Maze Runner and uh, Kaya Scudelario. Yes, really. It's, her name is something along those lines. Along yeah, those yeah, lines. Yeah. Okay, I think she's the love interest in Pirates Five. So. Okay, sounds yeah. sounds legit. Because yeah. in, in the film industry, you just sort of fail upwards. That's but it. that's yeah. how it works, right? So um, this is this is the latest one. This is a near three hour long indie drama. That uh, <laughs> I'm gone. Yeah, right. I thought you might be somehow. This is a near three hour long drama which centers around uh, a young single mother played by uh, Sasha Lane, who plays a character called Star. She has two young children. She's uh, dumpster diving one day with her children when she meets Shia LaBeouf in a car- in a minivan full of what who is to doing some kind of like art installation project. Well, quite clearly, he's just gotten to that stage now. He just wants James Franco's career. Mm. Uh, that's that's what it is. This is very much he's going to start directing soon. This 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 be, is clearly yeah. going to happen but he's he is this sort of rat-tailed uh, hipster type who's also a door-to-door salesman he's the leader of a squad of door-to-door salesmen who run around like a sort of frat pack in a minivan and they go into areas and they go around and they sell magazine subscriptions uh, through any lying means imaginable to them and what we basically have is over the course of two and three quarter hours is you have star finding herself through the mechanism of this job and trying to see if there's a light at the end of the tunnel trying to initially trying to make a life for her and her kids but then becoming somewhat more selfish along the way beginning a relationship with Shia LaBeouf finding herself in conflict with the rules of the outfit and its its employer who's played by Riley Keough by the way mm. whom I'm really starting to like a lot more than I like this film but uh, yeah here's a clip and do you know what this, this kind of sets the tone for you so tell me what was it that you don't agree with that Jake does the lying he ain't lying he's selling that's his job I don't get what you want you want to make money or you don't I want to make money what I want to make money she just needs more time Go with the wild ones, you know? It costs me when you don't earn. Do you get that? The motel, the gas, everything, that costs me. And I can't run my business like that. So you show me you can do it or I'll leave you on the side of the road. Clear? Crystal. The problem, largely, with American Honey is, for one thing, Andrew Arnold, uh, she's, she's directed to find her looks... Very much like a, you know, <laughs> photo hipster friendly indie Ameri- you know, Americana drama. And largely the problem with it is that there is a decent enough 90 minute film in here. This is not a 90 minute film, however. This is an hour and 15 minutes longer than that. And boy, are you going to feel it. It is a real snooze fest. I mean,. Sasha Lane's performance at the centre of it all is very good. Uh, Riley Keough as well. Even Shia LaBeouf is quite tolerable in it. The problem is there's simply nothing there. There's 
it, it's all in the subtext and it's all in the the visual metaphors, but they're really drawn out. They're really there was a recurring motif, for instance, of Star's interaction with uh, with small animals and wildlife that is so subtle that you could feasibly just breeze through it and not notice. And it just, in the end, you feel like, okay, I'm sure this is an artistically valid and substantial picture. The problem is, as an experience, there is not an awful lot of enjoyment to this. There's not an awful lot of of, of soulfulness to this. And it just doesn't quite work. And that's a shame, given it's Andrea Arnold. And frankly, you, you want a lot more. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. Interesting one for you. Um, we were talking earlier about uh, Captain Marvel at one point. Yes. Before, I think it was before the show. Mm-hmm. Black Panther, meanwhile. Well, first of all, Captain Marvel is going to be an origin story. despite Shock Marvel. horror. I know, yeah. despite Marvel telling us no more origin stories. Black Panther, however, they have said, not really an origin story. We already did you, that you in already Civil know War. Him. You already know him. Yeah, I would done. imagine a similar thing's kind of going to happen with Captain Marvel. Like, you'll see her for a bit when... You'll probably learn more about her. Yeah, I think she could turn up in Avengers yeah, yeah. Infinity War, whatever, and then they'll give us a movie. And Yeah, that'll be a proper, like, yeah. here's how it happened sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. However, um, Forrest Whitaker's joined Black Panther. Yeah, I love that. That's great. This is great news, yeah. isn't it? That makes sense. I'm feeling like a lot of crossover in terms of people that are getting jobs for Disney in other areas. Yeah. So, because he was in Star Wars, mm-hmm. and Beats and Yongo was in Star Wars, and now we're both in Marvel films. So. You think we're going back to the old-style yeah. studio system? Like, Clint Eastwood used to have, like, a six-picture contract with... Uh, used to be under contract for Warner yeah. Brothers, and... Exactly. Kind yeah. of still is, in one sense. In but, a way, uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I, I think of Clint and Warner's. I do, I think the two just, of them... Yeah. yeah. Two of them go hand-in-hand, hand, don't they? Yeah. Or Americans f- and Guns. Yes, yeah. Forrest Wits, mm. Black Panther, that's happening. Old Forrest Whitaker, I. Let's talk then about Kate plays Christine. Okay. Now I this... don't know who Kate is or who Christine is. <laughs> okay. So let's be fine. Well, prepare to learn some things then, Case. So Kate plays uh, Christine, which is um, this is a, a documentary about Christine Shuddock. Now there is a film coming out at the moment called Christine. Do you know of this one? This stars Michael C. Hall and Rebecca Hall. Maybe it's a true story. Christine Shuddock was a, a news anchor in 1974 who got tired of uh, the sensationalist nature of the news outlets and blew her own brains out on air. She took a gun, she turned herself in, keep, oh in keeping with this station's policy of sensationalising the news, you're going to get another first, the, the, you know, the first live suicide, and she did it. She's one of the inspirations for Network. This is oh, right. part, the part yeah. where it came from. Now, what we have here in this documentary is the actress, uh, Caitlin Shile, um, who's not really a known face. She's in the TV adaptation of The Girlfriend Experience for a couple of episodes. Um, in fact, she was in a uh, season of House of Cards couple of years ago as well. Okay. Uh, not really a known actress. The idea is that she's hired to play Christine Shuddock and reenact the famous sequence. And what you've got is a film, a film that explores her journey of reading up and learning about what was making Christine Shuddock tick in those final days, what was driving her, and then building to the culminative, you know, the culminative sequence that ended it all. Um, we have a clip. In Sarasota, Florida today, a 29-year-old talk show hostess shot herself in the head live on television. The woman, Christine Chubbuck, said, In keeping with Channel 40's policy of bringing you the latest in blood and guts, you're going to see another first, an attempted suicide. The word spread, like, through the grapevine. I mean, it wasn't tweeted or emailed, you know, it was hated. You see what happened on Channel 40 and the old-fashioned way, you know, person to person. 
If you're going to play this role, you need to have like a simmering undercurrent of some kind of resentment or personal turmoil. The fact that she asked for her show to be videotaped that day indicates to me premeditation. She's plotting something. Now, the idea behind this is, is admittedly quite interesting. It's an interesting idea. Uh, the problem is, for one thing, um, about a week before this opened, about a week before we did the press show for this, I, I just happened upon the trailer on iTunes for Christine. Uh, and because it's showing at LFF this last week, I was I was very curious. So I, you know, I thought, oh, I wonder, you know, what these two movies. They must be about the same thing, or maybe it's just same film, different title. I watched the trailer for Christine and learnt more about the subject in the space of the two and a half minutes of the trailer mm. than I did in this entire documentary. Now it tries to be insightful, but what it amounts to is a, a really distanced step by step look at. Where'd she buy the gun? Okay, she bought it from this shop. Let's go to that shop and let's repeat the process. And you don't really learn anything from it. And then there's a whole... There's an entire conclusion, the entire... Um, you know, the big money sequence, which of course is you know her blowing her brains out on TV, ultimately becomes, without giving anything away... Did you ever see, years ago, there was a, a one-off special on BBC Three with some Blue Peter presenter, and she was exploring the world of topless modelling... And the idea was, as she put, as she laid out at the beginning of the documentary, she was going to study it, and then she was going to do a topless shoot. And you watch this thing for an hour, and it ultimately amounted to, at about two-thirds of the way through, she suddenly remembered her co-worker had died, and it upset her, and she didn't want to continue with the documentary. Right, okay. Yeah. There's a very, very similar result in this that really does feel like a cheap pseudo and pseudo intellectual you know an activistic response to something that frankly doesn't involve its presenter to an idea of completely forgetting your station and and i i'm trying not to go into spoiler territory but the film is very bland the film is very slow and then it really wimps out at the end and you're left coming out of it thinking eh really I'll just watch that trailer again because I learnt more about the subject in the trailer. If there's a deep impact Armageddon equation going on, this is most definitely the deep impact, but it's a really rubbish deep impact. And in this case, Armageddon looks an awful lot better and doesn't have Ben Affleck in it. There's not many times you can say that. <laughs> there's not many times you can say that. It's very, very true. Do you know about a YouTube series called Carmilla? I've never heard of YouTube. This is popular. Don't joke, because the other day I discovered Alan Frank had never heard of The Clash. What? Never heard of The Clash? He'd, he'd never heard of The Clash. Okay, I was making a joke, and I'm, I'm 27. He is... 79. Yeah, he he is somewhat older than me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did, I so did he, get to tell he, him... He was alive. I know, like, I did tell him they yeah. were a popular musical act about four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, so uh, there is a YouTube comedy series called Carmilla, which is based on a gothic novel, would you believe, from the 19th century, and has been adapted as a YouTube series set at an Australian university about a gay couple. And it's it's really popular with, uh, with with the LGBT community. It's popular in general with comedy fans. They're now getting a full-length feature film spin-off mm. out of it. And the idea is... A girl vampire and her lover solve 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 cases together at university. Cool. We're gonna have a film set five years later. This is actually a thing that's happening. I'm intrigued as hell by this. Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. Well, you know, after the likes of Taika Waititi and and you know the Concords, but I'm, that that part of the world seems to be churning out some great comedy. Yeah, I mean, it really does. I mean, there was a time when the Chasers War and everything was one of the most on the knuckle series you could find. Mm. Have you ever seen that? 
I've not, no. Uh, I can tell you some horror stories about that. They uh, they did a whole whole skit where they did the Make a Wish Foundation, but they called it the Make a Realistic Wish Foundation. <laughs> you can imagine where that went. So, <laughs> so let's do the top ten. Let's finish the top ten. Get through this one and get it done. Number five. Magnificent Seven. I liked. I didn't love. And have you still not seen that? Uh, no, I generally don't see films. Uh, I don't really have a social life. I don't <laughs> don't really hang out with friends. I rarely use a phone. Um, sometimes I'll watch TV, but that'll be like a half hour episode or something, and I'll uh, go to bed. You and your Hollyoaks. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to keep up with my stories. <laughs> Didn't our Daddy Sola call mine? <laughs> but no, I like it. It is an Antoine Fuqua Western more than yeah. it is The Magnificent Seven, though. It's not got the fun, it's not got the revelry, it's not got the grandeur of you know, the 1960 original? 1960 it's original. 60? I think it's 60. It's not got the grandeur and the, and the fun of that. It is a lot more dour, a lot more sour-faced. It doesn't quite work as well. But you know what? Denzel and Chris Pratt are a bit of fun, so why not? Number four. Deepwater Horizon. Which I liked. It is, you know, Irwin Allen goes Black Hawk down. It is Peter Berg doing something that's actually got some meat on its bones. It's Marky Mark on an oil rig. What's not to love with that? Number three. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. You got through it in one again. Again, you, you yeah. really put I'm, me in shame. I'm amazing it, which I liked. I think it's Tim Burton's uh, X Men, for lack of a better term. Yeah. I found. It I think everyone's fun. describing it as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it's the whole. It's the easy comparison. Isn't it's it? Super powered school kids. You know, you kind of got to yeah. go there. It works. Ava Green's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, not Ezra Miller. Arza, Arza Butterfield. <laughs> Don't know how I confused the two of those. Uh, Arza Butterfield, I like very much in it. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's phoning it in, but that kind of you know, he, he, I think he's kind of earned it at this point, to be honest, Sam Jackson. Yeah. But you know what? Tim Burton's restrained himself. I respect that. I like it. Number two. Bridget Jones's baby. Which is hanging in there. And just like a regular baby, I'm really not all that fussed. Yeah. So with that being said. Number one. The Girl on the Train. It's a new entry. Uh, it's made, made three times what number two's made in the in the in the chart. Yeah, it is a popular thing because the Fair book play. is a it's a water cooler book, isn't it? It's the book everyone talks about around the water cooler kind of a thing. Yeah, and, and then the film arrived eighteen months later. And then the film arrives eighteen months later, almost as if it was you know a, a, a rushed cash in. Yeah. I mean, and this does feel like a rushed Gone Girl cash in. Yeah, I mean, Emily Blunt's great in it though. I can't I can't really talk about it like that too much until I've seen it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I need to kind of give it the benefit of the doubt, I guess. That's the thing. I, I I really liked Emily Blunt in it. I I thought Luke uh, Luke Evans was was decent in it. Um, the, there's no real problems in the cast. I think, with the exception of possibly Alison Janey, who's gone smug when she should be self righteous. Tate Taylor's doing like a faux gone girl kind of a thing. He's doing that Fincher that. Then again, Fincher like that's, that's your interpretation of how that character should be. You mean Janey? Yeah, I get yeah. that. No, I mean what would have made it flow better. I right. I feel. Um. But the problem is the screenplay just doesn't work. I mean, this comes from the writer of Secretary, and it just it just doesn't work. It doesn't it doesn't flow in the right direction. It feels disjointed. It feels novelistic. It feels like it would have worked better in novel form. Remember The Counselor a few years ago, that Ridley Scott movie. <laughs> yeah, but. That Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, the Cormac, yeah. Cormac, Cormac McCarthy tried writing a screenplay for like the first was it the first time I think he'd done it, and you start thinking what you've effectively done, you novelist, is written a novel, and that's <laughs> not what we want to see. I'm not buying a ticket to see a novel. I'm buying a ticket to see a film. Please provide me with a film, and that's kind of what you get with uh, with the girl on the train as well. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the On Screen Radio Show. 
And we're back and dancing. So, uh, what else we got to talk about? Oh, Michelle Williams. Have you heard about her latest role? Yeah, she uh, is going to be Janice Joplin. She's going to be Janice Joplin. Yeah, you, which, which is cool. Yeah, it works. It makes me sad that Amy Adams isn't doing it. Because she was lined up to be Janice Joplin for a long time. A long Help time. me out on this one, because Michelle okay. Williams is, what, 32, 33? She's about my age, isn't she? Yeah, I thought she'd be about 34, maybe 35, hmm. but yeah. Would she not be a bit too old part. to play Janice Joplin? Janice Joplin uh, having passed away at the age of 27. Yeah, yeah. there is that element, because that's one of the most famous not things really. about like her. I, Michelle Williams doesn't really look... She doesn't look her age, like admittedly. Mid-30s. Yeah, I think she, she <clears> could play that age. And it depends what what period they're setting the film at. And also, she's going to be wearing a whack-off wig. A big <laughs> a whack-off wig? Yeah, it is. You saw, you saw Little Girl Blue. Yes, <laughs> You've seen I Joplin's hair. Funny thing, when I saw uh, Little Girl Blue, my thought was, actually, why did we not make a biopic ten years ago and get Juliette Lewis to do it? Because surely that one, that was so, that would have been such an easy sell. She's too skinny. You think? Yeah. Although, I don't know, because like Michelle Williams, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, point is, I think Michelle Williams will be good. That, that's I fair think, enough. I think but she'll uh, yeah, so they're gonna be the biopic's gonna be called Janice, simply, and uh, star Michelle Williams. So, yeah, what could go wrong? You know, I mean, should, what is she? She's doing a P.T. Barnum one at the minute, isn't she? The Hugh Jackman one, yeah. The Hugh Jackman P.T. Barnum that's musical. Is it the greatest showman on earth? Is it yes. like that? With with Zephron. With Zephron. With Zephron. But uh, well, on to the the big big heavy hitter of the week then. Which you can't have missed the ads for this one because, uh, what is it? His Greatest Challenge, Humanity's Last Hope, I believe is the, the tagline on this one. Uh, Dan Brown's Inferno, otherwise known as Da Vinci 3. Two <laughs> Da Vinci, two, two code. Two code. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the Da Vinci Code Part 3, which is actually technically <laughs> part... City Heist. <laughs> yeah, which is technically yeah. Part 4, but we skipped the last book, so it's still Part 3. There's a whole confusing thing, because they jumbled the continuity before, because they did... Yeah. The sequel was the first movie made, and then the prequel then became the sequel, and it's a whole mess. It's an absolute mess. And what you've got now is Robert Langdon, a.k.a. Tom Hanks, a.k.a. the world's most renowned Harvard symbologist, wakes up in a hospital bed in Florence. I like the idea that there's like four other quite well-renowned Symbologists. Symbologists, yeah. yeah. And they all hate him. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so he wakes up in a, a hospital bed in Florence with uh, a doctor played by Felicity Jones stood standing over him. Uh, he's told that uh, he came in three hours earlier, he's got a head injury, he's got missing memories, and someone's trying to kill him. Uh, dressed as a police officer, shooting at him. So he and his doctor, Sienna, uh, go on the run and find themselves... Um, not only, you know, in, in fleeing for their lives, but also the only thing standing between humanity and a deadly bioweapon that's going to change the shape of life on Earth. Here's a clip. I'm having visions. It's the head trauma. Ugh. You won't be able to trust your own thoughts for a while. So that, that plague mask. It's the kind that medieval doctors wore and it turned to black death. You said something about that. You were talking in the cab. It was mostly incoherent, but... But I did hear the word mask. Anything else? Bodies. Blood and fire and... and hell. And there's a woman. Yeah, there's a woman and she seemed... Seek and find. Oh, seems so dangerous. Are you feeling inspired yet, Case? Does that do it for you at all? No. No, it's quite a somber. No. 
So, I, I you know, I'm I'm not a fan of Dan Brown. And uh, actually, to tell like I I have this ready ready prepared. Every time I think of Dan Brown, I think of this. Dan Brown is not a good writer. The Da Vinci Code is not literature. Dan Brown writes sentences like, "The famous man looked at the red cup." <laughs> and it's very hard to dispute that. So Who thanks, is that? that's Stuart Lee. That's from the very first episode of Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle. <laughs> in which he talks about the state of literature. And I've that always sticks in my mind, because that is exactly what I think of Dan Brown. And boy, do you feel that through this. This is a film that, to which the source material is so utterly poor that David Coop, the fifth most successful screenwriter in the film industry, cannot make a coherent story out of it. it yeah, but to be fair, he couldn't do that out of an Indiana Jones film either. Well, yeah, I mean, Indiana Jones and Aliens, dog. What was going to go wrong there? This is pandering airport novel nonsense that has basically been spun into the cinematic answer to the in-flight movie, starring a cast who seem to be asleep at the wheel, a director who really cannot be bothered, and then in the middle of it all is Irfan Khan. And Irfan Khan, who seems to be kind of bitter about the fact that he didn't get more screen time in Jurassic World and has decided to make up for it here by chewing the scenery like it's going out of fashion. He bounces around this place with the only thing resembling energy in the whole movie and then comes out with the single most meta line in all of it, which is... Not my best work, but it'll do for the Italians. Which almost feels like a complete description of this Ron Howard film. (laughs) But, yeah, it is absolutely astonishing to believe that Ron Howard has won Oscars and is making this, that Tom Hanks has won Oscars and is starring in this, and Felicity Jones has been nominated for an Oscar and is as utterly poor as she is in this. It is just... It it is... Yeah, but you know, Crash won an Oscar. Well, yeah, there's that. But when you consider that the book is, you know, an airport novel... It, th- it, this is perfectly suited to yeah, an I'm not gonna, movie. I'm not going to ever defend a Dan Brown <laughs> project, ever. But this feels like an in-flight movie. As, yeah. as Mr. Frank would say, if this was an in-flight movie, you'd walk out. And I'm inclined to agree with him on that one. You, you really would. It is just bad. It's one of those. If you, if you actually enjoy, if you genuinely, honestly, completely, admittedly enjoy Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons, and I think we've established today that neither you nor I can stand Angels and Demons. No, I just saw part of it. With its sexy uh, skydiving about it. I, I saw it at the cinema. I paid actual hard-earned cash yeah. to go see it. That is, it's just it's demonstrably poor, isn't it? Oh, let's steal the steel antimatter and blow up the Vatican, because those two things have any kind of relevance. And to be fair, this sequel is about as ludicrous. But you know what? It's got Irfan Khan having fun in it. And I'm inclined to let him have that. That's fine. I'll let him have that, because the film has some schlockily enjoyable moments, but the problem is that most of it amounts to let's run around whilst explaining things. Hmm. And the problem is that you can't really combine momentum and exposition. It becomes expermentum. And that's not... And that sounds like a spell from Harry Potter. It does, doesn't it? Expermentum. Yeah. And then you start spouting gibberish, explaining stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
Expermentum. Well, J.K. Rowling's mortgage was due, and so... <laughs> and so, Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> yeah. J.K. Rowling's mortgage was due, and so Fantastic oh, Beasts. On, like, <laughs> like, J.K. Rowling has a mortgage to think she, of. Yeah, it's a good point. She, she can't, can't she? No, she'll get a briefcase, stuff it with money, <laughs> buy a castle. It would be like Bad Neighbours too. Buckets of money. Yeah. They work out their money in buckets. You pay, oh, how much is the mortgage? Five buckets. Yeah. Okay, that's that's how she does it. That's how, it works. that's how she rolls. Five, Five briefcases. briefcases. That's how it works. Mom, can I have my allowance? The briefcase is under the stairs. I feel that's how it works out. Now, what we just said was a lot more interesting than actually sitting through Inferno. Um, just wow. Uh, the big crowning achievement, I think, for me is that uh, Tom Hanks has at least had a haircut for this one. So, oh yeah, he's not looking about mullet. Not, not rocking that mullet or that slightly shorter mullet that he has in the second one. But, by God, this trilogy is yeah. just getting increasingly Tom Hanks worse. has had some interesting hairstyles the past he couple has, of years. Yeah. I mean, we've we've still got Sully. I know, and he's, he's completely white, Sully, isn't he? he completely is white, white hair. And he's got a white tash as well. That's commitment. Yeah, that, that's that's really giving yourself to the role. Yeah. What I love is when he was doing the press rounds for, uh, what was the last one? And he, uh... he, he was rocking the Sully look. Bridge of Spies, maybe? Bridge of Spies, yeah, it was. Been, and he yeah. was rocking the silly look yeah. at the time. And no one could explain it. We all just thought he'd gotten old. Yeah, he was saying that he was like in a restaurant and somebody asked him if it was for a role. And he was like, yes, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fancy like wearing this. But no, the big problem with, uh, with Inferno is you realise how much any enjoyment of the Da Vinci Code hung on the, the controversy that surrounded it. And we forget now, ten years later, about that controversy. Very mm. strange. And then, of course, Angels and Demons had, you know, sexy skydiving Skyrish Pope. And, you know, this has Irfan Khan. But it doesn't have a sexy skydiving Pope. So so why even waste your time? Yeah, if, you, if you're not going to bring... If you're not going to bring a sexy skydiving Pope to the table, you yeah. know, go big or go home, man. Yeah, Just, coincidentally, my outfit for Halloween. Yeah? Is that yeah. it? Sexy skydiving pope, pope. pope with a parachute. That's what it's going to yeah. be. Okay, fair enough. So it's not film of the week. But, Do you know uh, what? What is? Let's is... just let's make up a film. I'll say we review the film. And we'll oh, really? There's no film of the week. It's well, we've just been spoiled. We've been spoiled recently because I think last week was a fairly decent one. We thought that it was one week where like every film. Both yeah, we had one about what three, three, four weeks ago. Every film was probably. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Just, just go and see Deepwater Horizon. That's probably the best thing out at the moment. Unless you can see Kubo and the Two Strings. Still, yeah, go find and see out that. somewhere. Yeah. Well, when everyone is good, I've heard from you. Oh yeah, when everyone's um, good. Oh, oh, film news we're going to talk about. Uh, Bad Moms is getting a sequel. Yeah, it's completely missed the point. It has a bit. Bad Dads. Yeah, great. Awesome. Didn't we already have Daddy's Home? Wasn't that kind of the point of... No? Okay. Not really. Kind Yeah, I know what you're saying. Oh, apparently as well, they think there's a genuine franchise in it. There's going to be multiple spin-offs. So, Bad Cousins. Bad bad Bad. Cousins. (laughs) Bad Cousins twice removed. Bad Babysitters. That's an obvious one. That, that could that be could cool. Work, that would it? have been a better sequel. Oh, wait, wait, I've got it. Bad Widows. <laughs> oh, you can't oh. do that. Because no, one could of the characters, one of the characters in Bad Moms is a widow, and that's his whole widows. That's his whole storyline is widows. widows right. I, they could do Bad Widows, and just yeah. That's, that's who it. who is the widow? Oh, do you know I forget offhand? Uh, Honky Beefcake. Sort of a Jesse Metcalf looking guy. Oh, oh, one of one of the dudes. One of the dudes. Right, okay. you, you know the generic. They pull him off a conveyor belt. Oh, the guy that plays um, the tight t-shirt wearing guy in that thing. Guy that plays uh, Diablo in Suicide Squad. It is him. Yeah. It is him. Yes. <laughs> Jay Hernandez. Jay Hernandez. Yes. 
thank you. Knowledge. It, I knew I knew it wasn't Adam Rodriguez, and that was really the extent of my knowledge on the subject. Yes, yeah. it, it was uh, Diablo. You but, can't even remember his name then. I've forgotten it now. He's that memorable. That's what it is. <laughs> Don't worry, Jay Hernandez. I still love you. <laughs> Someone has to after Suicide Squad, let's be honest. But Oh, we didn't talk last week, actually, about the fact that Suicide Squad's getting an extended director's cut DVD release. Which, well... Oh, Doctor Strange is out in a fortnight. <laughs> the Dark Mind just immediately went there. Of course it did. Yes, yes it did. Yeah. Because um, apparently I'm somewhat of a film critic. And, yeah. you know, Marvel recently just pulled up my house with a big truckload of cash. So. Buckets. Five buckets. <laughs> Five buckets for you, sir. <laughs> Five buckets and a briefcase. <laughs> Here's five buckets to slag and a, off Suicide Squad and, and, and a briefcase brief nice with a shield strange. logo on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, do you know what? Yeah, let's not give out a film of a week. Next week we've got some interesting stuff. Okay, it's going to get interesting. We've got In Pursuit of Silence, which is a documentary. We've got Phantom Boy, which is animated. Uh, we've got Sunita, documentary as well. I, Daniel Blake, which is Ken Loach. pretty high-profile Ken Loach movie. Uh, we've got the sequel we were all chomping at the bit for. Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. Amazing. And we've got the prequel we were all you know, clearly gagging for. Ouija, Origin of Evil. I didn't uh, know that was a prequel. I just, <laughs> well, I I just presume, knew it was coming. I'm presuming you know, prequel based Not on origin, the, the yeah. title Origin of Evil. I didn't even know. But I just knew there was a new Ouija film coming out because money. We've got the film spin-off that everyone was gagging for. Trolls. Um, I know. Uh, we've got The Queen of Catway, which is meant to be really oh, that's good. Oh, meant to be pretty good, yeah. It's meant to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Blue Peter. Blue Peter and Yonga. And we've got the movie that is not the sequel to The Joneses, which really disappoints me. Keeping up Even with The, the Joneses. Joneses. Funny story, I was told by the director of The Joneses. Yeah. John Hamm tried to get the David Duchovny role in The Joneses, huh. but... So he's like, I'm just, I need to be in a film with So now Joneses he's now he's, now he's starring in Keeping Up With The Joneses. He's got his wish. So not only has he got his wish, he got extra words in his title. And Wonder Woman. Way to go, Don Draper. Way to go, Don Draper. Can't fault him. This has been a Candy Store production for uh, On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been, as always, Case Allen. And we leave you with the, the notification this week that uh, that Halloween reboot that we've been threatened with for a while, that's, oh, got yeah. John, that's got John Carpenter returning. Oh, yeah. It turns out they forgot something. What's that? To come up with an idea or a concept or at any point find someone to direct it. Oh, bugger. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras then, Mr. Allen. So loads of film news. Um, well, you, you're always really good with the film news. You, you love uh, you love this film news stuff. I've looked at some film news from time to time. What do you got I've, for I've, me? I've been I've been known to be a man who knows things. <laughs> film. <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself. What do you got for me? Uh, I've got news. You've got news. House of Mouse. House of Mouse. What have they done now? Well, they have got loads of animated films. They do. They do have animated films. We've watched. We've grown up loving and stuff. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm fond of one or two of them. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, I mean, I I watch a Disney film, and the first thing I think of is. My God, I want to watch Guy Ritchie version of this film. Yes, I often yeah. think that. I often think needs more Guy Ritchie. Needs a soup some more Guy Ritchie. <laughs> yes. So yeah. what's he doing now? He is doing Aladdin. He's doing He's Aladdin. Doing the live action uh, reimagining of Aladdin. The other and, problem um, is if you yeah, do it in the please. if you do it in the voice and accent of the average Guy Ritchie character, you just wind up saying so, Guy Jason Ritchie. Jordan. He's doing Aladdin. Doing Aladdin. <laughs> Which translated? He's doing he's Aladdin. Just gonna go. Yeah. Uh, that's smack that's someone down pub. Vinnie Jones, car door, 
Oh, he's doing Aladdin. Oh, oh my God. Actually, no. Thinking about it, this is great. Okay. Here's, here's what you do. You get Vinnie Jones to be the head of, do you know those, like, guards? Yeah, the, the palace yeah, guards. Yeah, the, the palace guards. Uh, do you know who I am? I'm the Sultan's guard, bitch! You get Dexter Flasher to just be a guy, like, just working in the market. Oh. Uh, you get Statham. Who'd you get Statham to be? That's... Iago, man. Who'd you get Statham? No. Statham was the voice of Iago. That's going to be mental. That'd be brilliant. No, you get Dexter Fletcher as Iago. Well, yeah. yeah. Having said that, if you're going to do a live action version of Aladdin and you do not get Tim Curry as Jafar, I'm... let's call He's it a day. Too old. Call it a day. He's no. Too old Tim now. Curry is never too old. The curry never goes off. <laughs> Tim Curry is. <laughs> Tim Curry is still on fighting form, man. Yeah. The curry is still spicy. <laughs> the curry is still spicy. Let him let him have his time back in the sun, man. But uh, yes, yeah, so Guy Ritchie's doing Aladdin. Yeah, interesting. John Favreau's doing The Lion King. Yeah. Ang Lee is not doing Mulan, apparently. Which kind of sucks. Like, I didn't even know that, that was a possibility. And it was one of those things, like, it was suddenly just a new story, but he's not doing it, even though it wasn't announced that he was even in talks for it. And yeah. as soon as I saw that, I was like... That'd be great. That'd you know for a fact that if she doesn't get a full-blown actual role in it, Ming-Na Wen is making a cameo. Oh, yeah. That's totally happening. Absolutely. She actually still, to this day, celebrates that role. She's a very, she's a really outspoken lo- lover of that ro- of that role of hers. Mm. Like, her Instagram feed, she like very regularly posts Mulan-related things. Yeah. It's been 20, 20 years. It is a great film, and it's, it has built up a, a following, more of a following than what it had. She doesn't talk about ER ever. I mean, or Chun Li. I mean, really. Do, do you want to talk about ER for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I'll be really honest. I love that Tarantino episode that begins with oh, the I love uh, so much the blood Smash Mouth. And yeah, yeah, I really like that. But uh, also, Clooney was just you know, Clooney was the in that, wasn't he? Yeah, he wasn't was, he it? Really was. Is it? Is it? What's his name? Is it Doug, Doug Ross? Doug Ross. Yeah, Doug I knew Ross. it was Doug. So- I was going to say Doug Jones. That is <laughs> Doug Jones is the guy from yeah. Doug Jones is a Silver Surfer, isn't he? Yeah, and he is the blue guy from Hellboy, isn't he? Oh, Ape, Ape Sapien? Ape Sapien. Ape Sapien. <laughs> How did I forget Ape Sapien's name? I don't know. Uh, slipping in my old age. That's my news for now. What is your use? I've got a Disney-related one, actually, as well. Oh, yeah? Bit it of might just all be Disney. Might as well be, yeah. We might as well be the Disney show, because I mean, we take their bribes, yeah. we promote their films, we slag off their their opposition... I mean, we might as well just be the Disney show. Yeah, we're, we're basically hired goons from the 50s. Wait, wait, wait. Give buckets of cash to. Goons! Hired, hired goons! goons. <laughs> um, <laughs> my wife is downstairs. I really hope she just heard us just going, Goons! Hired, hired goons! goons. <laughs> right, so, um, Mary Poppins Returns has, yeah. has found yes, another yes. member of the Banks family. Yeah, I like this very much. No, I don't remember the name of the character. Is it Jane? Yeah. It's Jane. It's Jane. Who's now... Who's Jane, now all... Jane and Michael are the kids. Right, okay. So Jane's now all grown up. She's going to be played by Emily Mortimer. Yeah. Which makes me very happy because mm. I love the newsroom and I think she's yeah. terrific in the newsroom. And have you, you've seen the newsroom. Presumably. I've not seen the newsroom, but I've seen her in many, many things. You've not seen the newsroom? I know. My love of Sorkin. I know. It's because I've been watching other Sorkin things. I'm just watching other things, I guess. Oh, you did barrel through all of the West Wing recently, didn't you? I barreled through it twice, and I also listened to uh, Josh and Molina's... Twice, and three times on Sundays. Yeah, and I also listened to uh, Josh Molina's uh, podcast, uh, The West Wing Weekly. Oh, nice. In my car, yeah. Uh, did you know, uh, who's who's the president's aide in, in the West Wing? The young guy who like, starts off the series. Charlie? No, no, the, the young guy who starts off as like his, his porter or butler or something. Charlie. Is that Charlie? Played by Dula Hill. Yes, that's Charlie. it. Uh, he's starring on... He's, he's Bagman. Uh, bag, he's Bagman, yeah. is that the Yeah, that's He's starring on Ballers now with Dwayne Johnson. 
Yes, I know that. And also, and I didn't recognise him. Isn't Richard Schiff in that as well? Yes, he is. He's oh, Lloyd Johnson's to watch, boss. I need to watch Bullers. So there's a little bit of Westbrook reunion going on there, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Bradley Whitford uh, shows up in uh, Transparency as well. So I'm I'm seeing all all my favourites. Bradley Whitford appeared in a trailer the other day for Get Out. The I uh, saw that as well. Jordan Peele movie. Oh, I'm really really excited. About I am. That. Yeah, I looks... tie in some more Disney news with that film. You've got more Disney news. More Go on. Disney and Marvel film news. <laughs> <laughs> um, the lead guy in Get Up, whose name I don't Get know. Up or Get Out? Get Out, sorry. Get, get Out. He's the guy out. that played Tea Leaf in Psychoville. Yeah, of course. He yeah. was, yeah. His name is Daniel something over. He is going to be in Black Panther. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. He's going to be one of uh, Black Panther's mates. Just one of his one of his aides. One, one of his crew. One of his crew. One of his <laughs> posse. Yeah. <laughs> is that where Michael B. Jordan's going to come in? He's going to be one of his mates and he turns on him. Yeah. yeah I, so. I love his name in that film. He's going to be playing a character called Eric Killmonger. That is fantastic. I am the Mongo of Kill. Well, you know, I don't think you get better than Killgrave, personally. But Killgrave's so. a great name. Killgrave, Killmonger. There's just going to be a guy that comes up at one point, it's called Kill Liker. I, I just, I really like killing. I am Kill Liker. I'm Kill Liker. That's how it's going to work. Uh, let's see. Oh, Justin <clears throat> Theroux. Give me some more. Justin Theroux. Cousin of Louis. Cousin of Louis. Yep. Uh, husband of Aniston. And uh, <laughs> we're going to give him, we're going to give him Maximus Decimus yeah. Meridius titles. Uh, writer of Zoolander. Yeah, writer of Zoolander. Cousin of Louis. Husband <laughs> of Aniston. <laughs> Star of Leftovers. Son of Zorn. <laughs> yeah. Star of Leftovers. <laughs> Well, Justin Off the Roo has uh, has joined the cast of Mute, yes, which is yes, Duncan yes. Jones's new dystopian sci-fi Netflix movie. Yeah, it's already got a uh, Pollard and it's got uh, Alexander Sarsgaard. So Alexander Sarsgaard is going to play the mute lead. Yeah, well, who's Sarsgaard? Who's Sarsgaard or Sarsgaard? He's the Sarsgaard. Peter is the Sarsgaard. Which one's got the say? So Alex has got the scars. Peter's got, got the Sars. Sars. Okay, which sounds like. It sounds like SARS. It sounds, sounds like, like SARS. SARS. Yeah. Well, so um, the SARS is going to be the uh, the mute bartender who's on yeah. the search for a missing woman, and he comes across two eccentric and odd American surgeons who I presume are going to be the roles played by uh, Paul Rudd and Justin Theroux. That would make sense, that, yeah. That would. They'd be a good duo. They would. And I'm I, really looking forward to that. I kind of miss Justin Theroux doing those really offbeat roles he used to do once upon a time. Remember like when he was in Charlie's Angels and things like that? Yeah. Because like, uh, now he's just like handsome man. Yeah. He? yeah. He's kinda of boring now actually. He's a good actor and everything, but his role like choices him, yeah. are kinda of, kinda of dull. Mm. It's kind of just I'm a nice looking regular man. You're yeah. like eh, not really as interested as I was when you were an IRA terrorist in mm. Charlie's Angels Halo or whatever it was called. Full throttle. Full throttle. Halo. It was originally called Halo. Are we still getting that Elizabeth Banks directed uh, Charlie's Angels reboot? We are. 2019, 2018? I don't know if it had a date. That's cool. I think it does. I think that'd be good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure who I would cast it. That's the thing. It all comes down to casting. I reckon Bella Heathcote could be a good... Could be a good I, angel. I don't know. I think. I think to be honest, you you kind of need you need actresses who are actually in their thirties for one thing. I think for one thing. But then, oh, really? Yeah, I don't think you could make it too young. I think they they made that mistake when they made the TV series a couple of years ago. I'd like to go the other way. I'd like to see like a seventies, eighties or... period piece one. No, no. Just I want the actresses to be in the seventies and eighties. <laughs> in the seventies, I want to get. I want to get. I want to get Dench. <laughs> Dench. Dench. Mirren. Smith. Mirren. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's Grand Angels. <laughs> Charlie's Grannies. Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be be like, Good morning, Charlie. Angels, it's four yeah. in the morning. Yeah. No one gets up this early. <laughs> I know you're grandmas. in bed by two, but come on. That'd be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, or a period one. A period one could be good. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, 
Uh, one thing I really liked about the McGee yeah. movies actually was that they they acknowledged that the series, for instance, had happened. Yeah. And that there had just been That's generations true, yeah. of angels. Yeah, that is good. I did like that about it. I would like, kind of like yeah. it if the uh, Elizabeth Banks one did the same thing, which was just to say, you know, have a picture in the background of the Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu angels. So it's just a continuation. It's just a different generation. Continuation. Continue yeah, on. Yeah, no, that is good. I mean, all right, we can't get Bernie Mac back as... Uh, as uh, oh, is it Bosley? Bosley, Bosley yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm sure if you asked him nicely, Bill Murray might do it. <laughs> Probably not. Probably, Probably not. not. I think you got more chance of seeing uh, Garfield free. Yeah, yeah. That, that's. Oh no, Garfield's coming back in animated form. Yeah, but not with Bill Murray. Not with Bill Murray. <laughs> Which means, can we can we just please go and get Jason Bateman or someone like that? Oh, Jason Sudeikis. That would be good. It should be Jason Sudeikis as the voice of Garfield. Jason Bateman as John. Yeah, because he he is John. Yeah, he is. He, he told, is yeah. John. That's yeah. that's the movie right there. And make Odie animated as well this time. That that's what you do. Yeah. Because that that kind of ruined it when Odie was natural dog. Mm. That just and you get Will Forte to do like the dog noises. <laughs> 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 you mean like Clooney used to do them for South Park. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Okay. So news. Go on. Um. So Shane Black, he is doing the Predator. Do you know that you was know, my right? next piece of news as well on my list? Well, screw you, buddy. <laughs> screw you, buddy. I'm taking the news. <laughs> Let's do it together. So I'll set you up. Shane Black, The Predator, is coming out in a couple of years. It is. It has unfortunately lost uh, the star. I know, in, I'm uh, Who was that guy? Who was that was star? going to be Benicio Del Toro. And he was in negotiation for, in negotiations for ages. Mm, a long and time, yeah. the problem evidently was scheduling. Because yeah. uh, Benny's a bit of a busy man. He is. Benny's got a he's lot a, on his plate. He's he's got a, a wall in the stars. Yeah, he's, yeah he's he's got that. He's got uh, you know, he's got some uh, some Mexican cartels he needs to take down as well, and uh, not not just for a second time, but a third as well. Yeah, he's, uh, he's going to be a, he's a busy guy. He's got a lot going on. So they ha- already had to push the shoot for him. It was meant to start filming like a couple of weeks ago mm. in I think Vancouver, and now they they put they pushed it back to February so he could fit it in, and now he's dropped out as well. You start thinking, why? <laughs> so they found someone else. Yeah, that person is Boyd Holbrook, which is a really recognisable name to nobody except Mama Holbrook. I don't know. I reckon. Really? I reckon. Give it time. I've not seen I Narcos. I've started Narcos. I've not. I've not even started it. it. I've only okay. just finished Luke. He's Cage. good in that. He is good. Uh, well, quite brief in uh, Gone Girl. Is he? For a little was bit. he in Gone Girl? Yeah, um, he's a guy that is at a hotel. Um, but oh, wasn't quite is he the one that robs he's her? He's the dude. Yeah, he's the one that. Robs yeah, he hooks her. up with the friend and yes. they rob her. And yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, actually, he's, he must. He's in that. He just he went for a period where he's just showing up in a bunch of shows and he was being like really great. Remember like Scoot McNary did that though. Yeah, we had that two or three years where Scoot McNary was in everything, but you didn't recognize him. You didn't yeah. know his name. He, he was, was just, just that guy. guy. And then you hear his name, and then you don't forget a name like Scoot McNary. And then you see Batman Superman, yeah. and you kind of want to. But it's uh, not his fault. <laughs> it's not his fault. Yeah, like it's, in in some kind of other world, he would have been the Flash. He would have been Jay Garrick. That would have worked for me. I yeah. would have, like because for ages. There was a rumour going that he was going to be the Flash because the set photos had him wearing the g- big green socks. Oh, I heard that was because he was going to be Metallo. Metallo, really? Yeah. Who, incidentally, is the villain on next week's Supergirl. So, oh, I should look forward to yeah. that. Yeah. Which, um, which is now the best depiction of Superman around, by the way. Oh, you'll believe that a man can smile. 
You, yeah, you'll believe a man can smile. It, it, it's astonishing. Yeah. Um, it, really, I, I watched Fair it. Play. I yeah. watched it last night on the way back from London. It, yeah. It was terrific. I've not seen it yet, but I'm going to be watching it tomorrow when I do my catch-up for the week of CW shows. This is this is how good their portrayal of Superman is. They got a guy who looks nothing like Superman, who doesn't even look like a functioning human. He has, like, pug eyes. Well, that's, and... that's your interpretation of Superman, bro. That's, a, that's your perception of Superman. you got Christopher Reeves in your head. Uh, and no, 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 no. Come on. My version of Superman in my head. When I close my eyes and picture Where Superman... Where does, does it come from? Does it come from the books? Come from Dean Kane. When I picture oh, of Superman... Of course it does. TV's when I Dean picture Kane. Superman, it's Dean Kane. It's TV's Dean Kane. TV's Dean Kane. That, that's who I picture. <laughs> I always say TV's Dean Kane because he's just... He is TV's <laughs> Dean Kane. TV's Alan Thick. Yeah. It's like TV's Kevin Sorbo. He will always, <laughs> <laughs> he will always be a TV actor. <laughs> oh man, no. Um, Dean Kane is in Supergirl, incidentally. He's yes, I know. He's, he's adopted, Supergirl's adopted dad, adopted dad, Jeremiah Denvers. Yeah, I love that video. I love that they include people that have had. And Helen Slater, who's still lovely looking, by the way, mm. is her adopted mum. That's great. Yeah, That's very happy about that. Yeah, but uh, well done, <clears throat> Greg Balanti and Andrew Kreisberg. I know they really knocked it out of the park with that one. They nail it, aren't they? I they really. Know. They've somehow managed to outdo Warner Brothers at Superman. Yeah, which is. Just hilarious, because the best Superman on TV is a little blonde in a skirt, and then they added an actual Superman, and now it's just even better. Yeah. And we've got uh, Black Jimmy Olsen as well. Uh, he's yeah, great. Yeah. He was amazing. He's, he's great. Oh no, he, he's James now. Oh yeah, of yeah, course. He, yeah, he's he, James. He's James Olsen. James Olsen. Olsen. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was quite a fan. Yeah. But, uh, have you heard, by the way, that? that um, oh man, what is the Jim Carrey movie with the memory wipes? Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. That's the one. Yeah, I have heard this. That's getting a TV show. I hated that news when I heard it, and then I thought about it. Has it grown on you? It has definitely grown on me. I can see that. But it's not going to have, you know, a a bit of Kirsten Dunst, Tom Wilkinson sex, and I think that all films need that. (laughs) Oh, that was awkward. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. While Mark Ruffalo just watches, just on, just like, (laughs) what? What is going on? (laughs) Um, Linda yeah. Carter will apparently not be appearing in Wonder Woman. I think we said earlier. Um, oh right. Yeah, this is the, yeah. she's not going to cameo in the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, but because she, she can't fit in. So she's, she's in Supergirl. Supergirl. She's too busy being with Prez. Yeah, which I think tells you where where the priority lies. I think quite clearly we can say that TV shows are better than movies now. <laughs> um, it is officially happened. Yeah, there is that. Um, they're adapting. Here's one for you. the The director of Clue is a, as in Clue from the eighties. Yes. Clue. As in Tim Curry Clue, the Tim Curry Clue, yeah, I love that. Is resurrecting Clue as a sta- as a as a touring stage show. Oh. This is actually happening, and it's going to come to the UK as part of that tour. Oh man, I'll yeah. go to that. We should go to that. And there is a obviously there's a remake of the movie coming, but that's not going to tie in. Let's try and somewhere. get press for that. That'd be amazing. That would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if we covered it when that was announced, but it was a few months ago. They, um, I'm not entirely sure which studio. Or which producers were attached to it, but they are going to be rebooting Clue. Yeah, they're remaking it. It's yeah. over at Fox, I think. Oh, is it over at it's Fox? It's over at Fox, I Yeah, think. but it's not just going to be like that version was for me. It's, it's going to be a big budget, action y, almost Jumanji like affair. Yeah. You know, is, if, uh, yeah, when you say the word Jumanji like, you kind of sell me. Jumanji esque. Yeah. Jumanji esque kind of sells me. I don't know if I'm sold on the new Jumanji. You're not sold on Two Manji? I'm not sold on Two Manji, apart from that name. Which isn't going to stick, unfortunately. <laughs> Apparently, Jurassic World 2 yes. is going to be a, a big metaphor for animal abuse. Yeah. Which is... Is a, it going to be okay. uh, Jurassic uh, Blackfish? Jurassic Blackfish! 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's all going happen. It's all about it's the... all short documentary style. What's what's the name of the water-based whale-like dinosaur in oh. the? the... It begins with M. It? Yeah. I know it begins with M. But it's going to be like that in its tank, and then it goes to one of the trainers. Yeah. There's a big conspiracy, a big conspiracy and then it gets shut down. Jurassic World gets... Uh, no, no, Jurassic World denies that anything went wrong. <laughs> Jurassic World denies anything went wrong, and that it was trainer error. And yeah. uh, people say, well, what do you expect? It was, it the was trainer's dinosaurs. fault, but its own <laughs> legs got eaten. Exactly. That, that's yeah. totally what happened. <laughs> Apparently Lionsgate want to make a third John Wick. And I'm fine with that after seeing that second trailer. After seeing the trailer uh, for it. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes, please. I'm, I mean, it's it's doing the classic thing. It's John Wick goes to Europe. Obviously, it cool. it's, yeah. it's, it's doing that, but that's fine. It's like, you loved him. You loved him at home. Now enjoy him on holiday. <laughs> you love him at home. Now love him in Rome. That's what it is. <laughs> Great at home. Better in Rome. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you know what? Because the thing was, in the first week, was revenge gets wicked. It was, but it was obviously wicked. Yeah. Spelt wicked. Like, do it this time. Rome gets wicked. Come Rome on. Gets wicked. I feel you could, you could, you could make that work. Did you see that first poster they put out for it? Bulletproof when he didn't fit for the suit. Oh no! Sorry, there's, there's another one that's been released. Oh, is this one with all the guns are pointed? Oh, at? Yeah, there's like there's like thirty guys just pointing guns, like a circle of guns <laughs> around him. Yeah. Who'd have thought it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. So I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued by it. Um, this is not strictly speaking film news, but it kind of is because okay. it's Marvel related in one sense. Well, you know, we've been doing some news about TV, so yeah. let's let's have a crossover. Let's have a crossover. Have, a crossover. have you heard who the big Marvel <gasps> Netflix villain is? Yes. This yes. is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, okay, we should explain for anyone who doesn't know. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Cage and, and the Iron, upcoming Iron, Iron Fist, Fist... Comes out 17th of March. Comes out 17th of March. They are all going to cross over into one series, the fifth one of these Netflix series. And uh, the Punisher's going to appear in it as well, because he's yeah, got his own Punisher one. Punisher is uh, currently in production. It's currently been shot. Well, what we've got is uh, Sigourney Weaver is going to be the big bad. Such this is good news. This is amazing. It's great news. But uh, yeah, Sigourney Weaver is going to be a Marvel villain. That's that's the dream. Yeah, I wonder what her character is going to be like. I, don't I think she's going to be no like a, like a Mariah Dillard character, so more kind of government based. And uh, well, that's the thing yeah. because the one thing these Marvel Netflix series have been really good at is strong female characters, villains and heroes. Yeah. Um, so Sigourney so Weaver doing it. Next natural step. Misty Knight from the Luke Cage series. Oh, she's terrific. She's like my top three Marvel characters. Uh, you know what? Like, I, I, I prefer wise. Hogarth. But uh, Hogarth oh, and Hogarth Jessica Jones, amazing, Love, uh, yeah. she's back in Iron Fist. So yeah, she is, of course. Yeah, looking yeah. forward to that. That'll be good. But yeah, so that one's going to be uh, kind of interesting, I think. What else have we got? Me, I'm all on board for that. I still can't believe the whole Halloween Halloween thing. Like no concept, no director. It all fell through. No idea what to do with it. It's like the Don Quixote of horror. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say those words. It's going to have to be like the Scottish play. That's what it is. You can't mention. You can't mention. Poor Terry Gilliam. Yeah, you can't mention the man who killed Don Quixote. That's how it works. I just. I don't know. I don't know what's happened in his personal life and whatnot, so I don't know what his affairs are like. But you would think, after all his time in the business and all the successes that he's had, that he could pull in the funding. Yeah. Or that he just, you know, just just stash away a couple of mil. Yeah. 
Just every year, just, just put away a couple of grand. Just put away a couple of grand for when you're like in your mid seventies and you finally want to make it. Don't yeah. rely on some Portuguese chap you met in a he's bar. Just, like Luke Cage style, just got a coffee can with a slit on the top, and it says the Coyote Trust. <laughs> the Coyote Trust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, apparently, according to Ron Pillman, Hellboy Three never happening yeah, now. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig said he's not unwilling to return as Bond. <laughs> So, six buckets of cash. <laughs> he wants six buckets and a briefcase. <laughs> then at the last minute he starts getting finicky. He's like, no, no, two briefcases. Two briefcases. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I'm I'm fine with him returning, but I'm looking forward to someone else now. Yeah, I kind of want someone else. I want someone, someone a little bit more interesting now. I want more yeah. of a personality. I think, like, unless... Someone comes in, it's just like absolutely amazing. I don't think I would want someone to be in more than say four or five. No. Yeah, I don't know. I I could get something of a, of a fatigue, and uh, my love for Bond is I like seeing different people take on that mantle. Well, I like one of the things I really like about Doctor Who is actually the turnover rate of Doctors. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I quite like that about yeah. it. Like the next series for Peter Capaldi, that'll be his third. Yeah, and probably his last. I think it's probably going to be his last. Yeah. And he's had a decent run. I think him as a character has been good. It's been, it's been Took different from the last couple of years. But yeah, it did take time, and it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't his fault, I think. Just kind of wish <laughs> we got. Kind of wish we had two more years of Eccleston, though. But, yeah, uh, well, that that is his fault. <laughs> that is his entirely his. That fault. was his decision, man. No, I completely agree. So, one final piece I want to talk about then um, hmm. is is Mr. Kevin Smith, who um, yeah, I'm, I'll I'm, talk about this. I'm going to be really honest. He kind of pissed me off this last week. Did he really? Yes, because he said something very stupid, and a lot of stupid people listened to him. Because there are a lot of stupid people that believe everything Kevin Smith actually tells them. Yeah. Kevin Smith did an interview in which he said, "We shouldn't hate or we shouldn't hate on or belittle certain comic book properties. We should just appreciate that they exist because they didn't always." And basically, Tim said, "I've seen Batman Superman like seventy-five times since I got it, and my wife twenty-five. Tw- twenty-five. Yeah. So twenty-five. I, I listened to this. I listened to what you're talking about. Oh, yeah." And he said, do you know what? And I'll watch it until I love it. My wife tells me off, you know how it ends, Martha, Martha. But I'll watch it until I love it. He's like, no, Kev, no. That's not how this works. You shouldn't have to watch a film repeatedly until you love it. And as a filmmaker, that's particularly troubling. Did you listen to that actual excerpt, though? Uh, no, I, I read it. I read the written into it. Okay, right. It <coughs> plays differently when you yeah. read it because basically what it was, it was at the New York uh, Film and Comic Con. Yes, it was. It was a question that someone just said just about DC films in general, and in his way, just kind of went completely off the question and just started ranting in a overly positive Kevin Smith way. As he tends to do. Yeah. So what it was, it wasn't him saying, "I will love it. I need to." Love oh it. no, no, no! I it, get how he was, said it. It was a case of I. I am just a fan of these things mm. because I never thought that I would live in a world where I see Batman and Superman fighting. I get that and I appreciate yeah. his point. The problem is, you know, when you put it when you put it down on just in word in in text form. Yeah. The problem is, idiots buy into that and they believe it. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's and... a it's a non news story. It's a non news. It's something that he said to a fan at a convention. But the problem at is, a panel. It's not the news. problem is that with with product of the quality level of Batman Superman. And yeah. of the franchise level of Batman Superman, you wind up with a lot of pre-fans and a lot of contrarians and a lot of 
not really, you're not even unapologetic, but just outwardly aggressive fanboys who simply will not accept that there is a difference between, you know, liking a franchise and liking a particular film within it. You know, it's my old thing that just because you like something doesn't particularly make it any good. I like the first G.I. Joe movie, and I know that that movie is a piece of but I enjoy it. Yeah, you like Pearl Harbor as well, though. I do, and I like Pearl Harbor. I do not tell people that those are good movies, though, because they are not good movies. They are terrible movies, but you know what? I enjoy them, goddammit. That's and fine. That, and I'm, that's fine. I'm failing to see your point. But I'm saying I I'm accept the reality. If you tell a Batman Superman fanatic that, yeah, but the film's rubbish, they will venomously argue the exact opposite. Oh, right, yeah. No, that's not the case. The film is garbage. You're a moron. Shut up. You know, that that's the problem. And Suicide Squad yeah, was the same thing. He wasn't saying anything to no, appease DC fans. No, no, I'm saying what he said fed into those people. Right. It fed into those... It, it just added to that weird little, well, I like it because it's got a bet symbol on it, but I'll never admit that mentality, which really pisses me off. But it, it, end of rant, end of rant. It's fine. I'm, I'm done. I'm cool. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm calm. I'm calm. I'm calm. I'm cool. cool. Kind of killed the mood Fe- there, fetch, fetch me a kitten. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do to a kitten. What if a kitten is called Martha? What are you going to do? Throw it out of a window? Martha's dead, baby. Martha's dead. So, go on. dead, baby. Let's talk about uh, Army of One for a minute, then. Because yeah, let's do a recap. I feel like we should do this more. We should have like we recaps should. with trailers. And so, Nick Cage, Sir Nicholas of okay. Cage, yes. is back. He's back in adaptation mode as well, hmm. uh, which is just madcap, frenzied, mental, black comedy, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's totally black comedy. And this is from the director of Borat, so Larry Charles. Larry Charles. It's, it's based on a true story. He is a man named Gary who thinks that God has given him a mission, God being played by Russell Brand in this case, given him a mission to go into Pakistan with a samurai sword and capture Osama bin Laden, hmm. which he actually attempts to do. <coughs> it looks insane. Yep, there was a shot where I can't Nick wait. Cage is uh, riding on a donkey. Yes. I mean, sign me up. <laughs> it really is. But also, he himself, because he's put put some weight on for it. Oh, yeah, considerably. Big, yeah. big hippie beard. He's and, got and long grey hair and ponytail. Yeah, the man bum Glasses, thing going on. Yeah. yeah. It and, looks great. Yeah, I can't wait for this. This is going to be insane. And you know what? We don't even have to wait that long for it. Because if you have when does the, it come out? It comes out on US Video On Demand on November 14th. Really? Really? I didn't realize it was that soon. I don't know if it's getting a UK theatrical or not, but frankly, I don't care because I'm going to use I'm the. Away. I'm going to use whatever uh, geo unblocking software I can find to actually buy that film from iTunes. Hmm. Same way I had to do for the interview. Oh, a right. while back. In fact, yeah, you got a, got around it. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Kim Jong Un. <laughs> can hack Sony all you like. I'm buying that film. Kim Jong Il. Il Un. Who was it? It was uh, Un. Yeah. On it was the Youngun, yeah, <laughs> Youngun, <laughs> Youngun. God, that's a film series I want to see. Young Uns. <laughs> Somebody oh. get me the Young Guns poster. You know what? Access to Photoshop. Have you ever heard the story though that Kim Jong Un went to university in Switzerland? I think it was. Uh, no, I don't know. Under an assumed name, he was sent to university under a fake name. I think it was Switzerland. Yeah. And nobody knew who he was, but it was a right. it was a school full of of generally quite wealthy kids that okay. were kids from wealthy families. Yeah. But they never really asked. All they knew was he came from money, and he hung out with them, and he had actual friends, and he went to like uni nights out and things. 
And then one What's a uni night out? Yeah, and then one day he as far as as far as these friends are concerned, one day he simply disappeared. Yeah. And then turned up on TV being called Kim Jong un. Amazing. Right. Oh, that's him like out like a fresher's fair. Exactly. Oh, that is a movie right there. Yeah. And if you make it an ensemble piece about his friends as well, Young Uns. Young Uns. Come on. Watch Young Uns. That, you make that. that. That is a movie, right? I feel like we are really good at titling projects that will never be. <laughs> I think so. Like, what was that? There was a there was a show we were talking about, at, like a political show we were talking about when yeah. Angels and Demons were on. And um... I have no idea. <laughs> You'll know in a second. Go when uh, we were talking about uh, a, a pope that goes around solving crimes. Oh, Cardinal Law. We call it Cardinal Law. <laughs> yes, that was the one. A police procedural about a pope. Yeah. Cardinal Law. Cardinal Law. <laughs> we went really off topic with this one. <laughs> this could be a new segment. This, this could, could be a new segment. segment. But uh, let's stick with a traditional segment. In which case, do you want to cue this one up? Here it is, your moment of cage. All I can think about is like... There ain't no God. He don't exist. Hey, where you going? I'm gonna show you God does exist. <laughs> <laughs> 